W-O-R-Q, Green Bay, Fox Cities. The following program is a presentation of Lakeshore Communications, Inc. and do not necessarily reflect the views or opinions of Lakeshore Communications, Inc., its sponsors or donors. Three, From the studios of W-O-R-Q in Wisconsin, this is the Stand Up For The Truth podcast. Today's issues, overlooked headlines, and biblical observations, equipping the remnant around the globe. Got your sword handy? This is Stand Up For The Truth. Mary Danielson is off for a few weeks. It is Tuesday, February 27, 2024. Fresh new podcast. I'm Crash. Our guest host today is Scott Shera. Well, yes, and I am known by most of you as Grace's dad. Thank you, Crash. All right, so what are we going to do here? We didn't figure this out. You're going to do the scripture. I'm going to pray. What are we going to do? That, we'll go with that. <laughs> okay. All right, so the scripture I picked today is custom fit for our guest. It's Daniel 7.25. He shall speak words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High. What's our address again? That's Daniel 7.25. All right. We're going to get underway. Heavenly Father, thank you for waking us up today. Thank you for your divine appointments. Thank you for those that you bring to this broadcast on a daily basis who need to hear truth at any cost. That's our mission here at Lakeshore Communication, set up of the truth. And we wait with God's word. We ask uh, those that are hearing information for the first time not to take our word for it, to do their own research, look it up in the Bible, and we always uh, ask that they reach out to us uh, if they have any uh, questions, um, bless this broadcast. Uh, bless uh, Curtis Bowers, his ministry. Keep him uh, under uh, under your divine protection and favor and provision. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, Curtis Bowers is our guest today, as Crash just mentioned. And Curtis has been on Q90 before. I've gotten to know Curtis over the last several months and have been a guest on his podcast. So when I was asked to guest host, I thought Curtis would be the perfect guest because he is likely the most knowledgeable man on the planet regarding the agenda. So we're going to talk about that in a degree of length today. And, you know, truth at any cost, that's a stake that Q90 has put down. And in that vein, most of you are going to hear some things today that you have never heard before relative to truth. You know, Curtis, you know you have a big-time guest when you have a Wikipedia page. And Curtis has a Wikipedia page, and unbelievably, it's decent. They didn't blast it. It's right. Yeah, it's actually (laughs) decent. So Give it time. (laughs) uh, He has uh, two movies. He did The Agenda, Grinding America Down in 2010, and Agenda 2, Masters of Deceit in 2016. And we're not going to spend a lot of time with Curtis's background because I want to get into the show. But I'm going to have Crash play a clip that Curtis sent me to introduce uh, the deep state and the evil plan. And then we're going to have Curtis come back and talk about the history of the deep state. So go ahead and play clip one, please, Crash. History has proven beyond any doubt that the free enterprise that freedom produces provides more for anyone willing to work than any other system. So why would the left still be pushing their socialist agenda on us? I mean, it's really just microwave communism. There's only two possibilities. They're either ignorant 
or their evil. From my investigation over the last two years into what has caused America's drastic decline, I'm sorry to say the left won't be able to use the ignorant card. They've left too much evidence of their agenda in their books, articles, and speeches. No, America has an enemy that is getting very close to accomplishing its plan of destroying the greatest country in all world history. Curtis, a lot of people are starting to wake up. Of course, it's a long time in coming. And I want you to frame this discussion we're going to have by talking about the history of the deep state first. So it's all yours, Curtis. Thank you, Scott, for having me on so much. I appreciate you and all you've been through and how you've used that to glorify God. Um, Well, as you dig in, most people, like you said, are starting to wake up, which is wonderful, and it is long overdue. But they're waking up because they see and hear things that don't make any sense. Like, what are we doing to our children here or there? What is being taught in the schools? And, And it's starting to awaken them. But this, as I dug in and studied for years and years now, it's been a long agenda. It's been well over 100 years in the making where they realized if we want to have a world government, America has got to go. And I read articles and speeches back in, in the early 1900s, over 100 years ago, where they, the elites, the globalists, some of the Marxists and communists, they were talking about that. How can we subvert America from within? And one of the key things that happened, I think, when President Trump was first elected in 2016, whether people were for him or not, they started to see something. There's something very powerful in Washington, D.C. In fact, it's more powerful than the president of the United States because he can't even have a private meeting with the intelligence community without it being on the front page of the New York Times the next day. So everyone's surprised, what's going on? This is the president, and he's like he has no power. People are, are leaking stuff out of his meetings. They're doing all this stuff. Well, as I dug in and studied, okay, how has that happened? I found some very interesting things. And real quickly, this is important to understand this history so you understand how premeditated and purposeful America's decline is. Back in the late 1800s, there was a man named Cecil Rhodes. In in the modern deep state in America and throughout the world, the, the globalists, the elites, the people that are really working for world government, really wanting total control of every human on the planet, their vision came about from that man. Um, and he was someone a lot of people haven't heard of, but maybe you've heard of Rhodes Scholarships. It's oh, the yes. same guy. But he graduated from college, and he was in his early 20s. And he heard, he, he was in, over in England, he heard that they were discovering diamonds down in Africa. And he had a just insatiable desire to be rich and powerful. So he went down there, and through an amazing turn of events, as a young man, um, he met the Rothschilds family, which was the primary drivers of, of the mines down there. He got to know them. And by the time he was 30 years old, he was one of the primary shareholders in all the diamond mines in Africa and became one of the wealthiest people around. And he says in his own diary, which is called Confession of Faith, <laughs> it's not a biblical faith, it is a satanic faith, But he said, the day I joined the Masonic Order, when I came home from that ceremony, all of a sudden a vision became came before my eyes. And he wrote it down, and he talks about it in his own book. 
But what it is, he says, and he explains it very clearly, he said, we're going to start a secret society with but one goal, the economic, religious, and political unification of the world. That's his words and what he started to do. And so what would happen is this guy, uh, being friends with the Rothschilds family, which was the richest family in the world, they would set up meetings for him. Were, they would have a luncheon and invite four or five of the richest families in the world to a luncheon. And they say his talk was so persuasive. At the end of that luncheon, when he laid out this vision, how we're going to control the world and, and, and be you know masters of everything, most of the families that would come to these luncheons, by the time he was done talking, they would say, our entire family fortune is in. We are in. So slowly they gathered all the money of the world, and they went on and said, the way we're going to get this accomplished, we're going to buy up the newspapers, which, again, back then in the late 1800s, of course, that was that was the media. There right. was no radio, no TV. So they were going to buy up media, and they were going to buy up the colleges and universities to start pushing this message that world government would be a good thing. It would bring about peace, and they were going to come up with all these intellectual-sounding arguments, why world government was the answer to all of our problems. So they started doing that. And the first group he started, his secret society, was called Society of the Elect. It's a very humble man. Interesting. And, uh, uh, the co- but, counterfeit but, but, to God's elect. Of course. No, it's Satan is always a mime. A he always is mimicking God but perverting what God has set up. But anyway, if you... Any of the people listening that have studied this a little bit where you know about the Council on Foreign Relations or the Trilateral Commission or the Bilderberger Group and and all these other groups like that, as you study it, every single group you've ever heard of, the World Economic Forum, everything else, has all come from that society, the elected meetings. People wealthy of the world would come to his meetings there in England and they would go, okay, we're going to start this in our own country. And, and John D. Rockefeller, senior, he went to one of those Society of the Elect meetings, and he came back to America, and he started the Council on Foreign Relations in Washington, D.C. in 1921 with the, the objective of world government. And the Council on Foreign Relations still today is the most influential organization in America. There's no question. If you ask any senator, any uh, congressman, hey, do you know about the Council on Foreign Relations? They say, yes, they give us policy papers on what we should do on every topic. And so what they've done, they've sold themselves to Washington, D.C. as, hey, we're the brains of Washington, D.C. So every new president that comes to power goes, oh, who doesn't want the brains of Washington, D.C. working for you? So they take half of their members into their cabinet. And every single president since 1921 has had a huge portion of his advisors be members of the Council on Foreign Relations, including Ronald Reagan and including President Trump. I think they didn't understand this agenda behind the scenes and what that group was started for. And that's why if you study the last hundred years since they started all the policies they put forward, all the things they've done to supposedly help us or whatever, have been anti-American, anti-freedom, propping up communist governments throughout the world, doing things that are the opposite of what politicians are talking to us about. But they've convinced the politician, no, no, this is what's best for the, to keep peace in the world or whatever. And so that's kind of a real quick history of the deep state. It is something that's so embedded in Washington, D.C. It doesn't matter who you invite into, into who you elect into office. 
because the advisors stay the same for everybody every time. And so that's part of the problem. And then one other quick part of the problem is I've studied communism a lot because I realized at the root of it, that is the mechanism. That's the ideology that they're trying to set up, a totalitarian world government. Because as you read what they're talking about, whether it's the World Economic Forum, who says, you know, you'll own nothing and be happy. Well, that's communism. When, when there's a, the abolition of private property, that's the first plank of the Communist Manifesto. So you realize, oh, no matter how flowery they make things sound, and they're great at that, no matter how many smiling faces are on their videos, when you look at the content of what they're trying to create, you realize, oh, that's a communist society. We've already been there and done that. That's the Soviet Union. That, that's red China. And so that's the world they're creating. But back in the early 1930s in America, the communist movement was very powerful and strong. And the Communist Party USA had started. And they were waiting in the wings in Washington, D.C., trying to influence policy, anything to help the Soviet Union, anything to weaken America. And what happened is in 1934, when FDR, he passed the New Deal. And overnight, the size of government almost doubled. And they were waiting there in the wings. And we know this through personal testimony of some of the communist agents that infiltrated our government, but later defected from communism because they realized, wait a minute, this is not what we thought it was, like Whitaker Chambers and, and some other people. And so they got into agriculture, education. They didn't care what organization they got into. They just wanted to be in the United States government. And one of the men that I interviewed on my film, Agenda, Grinding America Down, M. Stanton Evans, a brilliant man from Yale University. He's, he's not living anymore now. His last book, he's a, just an incredible researcher from declassified documents and everything. He wrote a book called Stalin's Secret Agents, and he documents from congressional declassified documents that in FDR's administration, there was over 200 Soviet agents, 200, wow. I mean, not, not two, which would be significant. And we now know that his right-hand man, Alger Hiss, who was the right-hand man of FDR, all four terms of his presidency was one of the Soviet agents. And so, but, but so that part of the deep state that makes it so Amer so anti-American is the communists embedded our government back in the 30s, and they've never been uprooted. So they are so committed to their cause. They hire, you know, fellow travelers and like-minded people into positions to keep having more influence and more influence. And that's why you look at our State Department for the last 70 years. You look at so many things about our country, and you go, why are they always doing things that turn out really bad for our country? Well, that's why our enemy is infiltrated and subverted from within, and they have a long-term goal, whether it's the elites with the money that are funding things, but it's to take America down. Why do we have open borders today? It's to take America down. Why are we spending trillions of dollars every year more than we take in, which you just can't keep doing, to take America down? So it's it's a total purposeful plan. And so often our side, we excuse them by saying, oh, they're just ignorant. They don't get it. The other side doesn't understand economics. They, they're just naive or ignorant. And I'm here to tell you that we are the ones that are naive to think that they're just accidentally every single time doing the worst possible thing for our country, for our freedom, for our families, for our communities, um, for the health of our nation. It's, it's not an accident. There's a great old saying that says this, consistency 
has never been a virtue of ignorance. <laughs> when something is 100% consistent in one direction, you know, no, that's not a virtue of ignorance. That means it is purposeful. And that's what my films have shown, and that's what I've been studying for 20 years now, because we need to wake the troops to this enemy from within that is having incredible success in doing the things that are completely dismantling everything that made America the greatest country in the world. Wow, Curtis, you you just said a mouthful with that open. Thank you very much. You're listening to Stand Up for the Truth. I'm Scott Shera, and my guest today is Curtis Bowers. Curtis, that open leads to a whole bunch of other questions that that I have. So I had heard of the Council of Foreign Relations before. I've listened to a number of hot mic incidents in my own research. But the questions I have for you related to this Council of Foreign Relations is then where does the WHO the League of Nations, the United Nations, are they just proxies for the Council of Foreign Relations? How do they fit into the to the situation? Yeah. And then FDR, you mentioned FDR. I think the single most uh, important thing that he did to facilitate the agenda you're talking about happened on April 5th of 1933. That's when we went off the gold standard, and now we have a fiat currency. That allowed them to be able to use money to accomplish anything that they want without accountability. Anyway, your thoughts on both of those comments, please. Yes, on what you just said there. Yes. So once you at the fiat system and there's no accountability, our Congress tried a few years back to audit them, and they said, sorry, thank you, no, you have no permission to do that in our charter. So this private bank that's in control of our money that we pay interest to, for, for it's our money, it's our tax, and we pay interest to them for every dollar we spend. Yes, it's totally rotten. That's why they did that. So we don't know how many trillions of dollars they've printed and put in their own bank accounts, in their own pockets, to buy up media, education, Hollywood, influence. That's all they're about is influence. They, they want to raise the next generation so they have everything. And that's why parents need to wake up because your children are the prize. Period. They could care less about you. You're going to die off. They want the younger generation because they know the old saying is true. The hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. And they that's why they convince women, get out of the home, go have a meaningful life working for some man in the marketplace. We'll take care of the kids because they wanted that position because it's the most powerful in the entire world. So, yes, that's, that was a key part of it. You were talking about the United Nations, the World Health Organization, all these things. Interestingly, as you study those, you go, okay, where did the United Nations come from? And amazingly, just what I, the story I just told you fits into this. Alger Hiss, who was the right-hand man of FDR, like I told you, and proven Soviet agent now, we know. It's not a conspiracy or something. We have all the documents from the declassified KGB files. Um, he is the man that FDR put in charge of writing the charter and being the first head of the United Nations. It is, was a Marxist organization from the beginning set up to, to strengthen communism worldwide, which it has done. If you look at it, you realize the words they're talking about, oh, peace and whatever, they're never working toward that. But they have helped prop up so many communist dictatorships throughout since its beginning you know, why would they be doing that? <laughs> you go, oh, because a communist is the one that wrote the charter and was the first head of it, and they have been hiring and, and getting involved fellow travelers ever since. So the World Health Organization is just a branch of that. 
Um, and, and what's funny about that, I mean, it's hard to even make these things up. They're so crazy. But Ted Ross, who is the Dr. Ted Ross, who is not a medical doctor, he's head of the World Health Organization. Well, if you say, who's that guy? And I dug in. I studied years ago when he first I first on the scene. I'm like, who is this guy? Well, he's a member of the Communist Party of Ethiopia, one of the leaders. So it literally, not, not just a left winger, he was a member of the Communist Party in Ethiopia. So, I mean, you can't, again, you can't make this stuff up. It is so crazy. But as you see it, I know what they're about. Communist is about destruction, tearing everything down so they can rebuild it the way they want it, where it's totalitarian. They, they love poverty because poor people are easy to control. They love to create dependency because it guarantees votes um, in the system. Before you have totalitarian power, you need some votes to, to stay in there. And on and on it goes. So it's, it's, it's so purposeful. And, and so it's always doing the things that are anti-life, anti-human, anti-freedom, anti Earth. I mean, and, and so you know whether it's the climate scam or whatever, it's always doing things on the uh, under the guise of acting like over oh, for this. But I've noticed this as I've studied Marxism for twenty years. They always present themselves as the exact opposite of what their real intent is, and so that's what this is all about. But uh, that's why the World Health Organization is always giving horrible advice. That's why it's anti-health, anti-people, anti-because um, they have an agenda. They hate human beings. There's too many of them on the planet to control, and so we need to get rid of as many as possible. But, yeah, it's, all, it's, it's unfortunate it all ties back to the same thing. It's, it's really amazing how successful they have been at, at infiltrating almost everything worldwide, to seek to to implement the society they want to create. Curtis, I want to switch gears just a little bit and share something that happened last night. It's you know somehow God always has a way of uh, getting things in front of me so that they're just at the right time. And He did that last night. Uh, my wife Cindy and I, she's a fantastic reader, and we've gotten into the habit of her reading. And we started a book called Night. And it's written by Eli Weisel. He's a Holocaust survivor. And what he wrote is quite interesting. I'm going to read something that came out of the book last night and then read something that another person sent me over the weekend and then get your take on it. This will probably take us through the break or over the break, but regardless, I want to get started on it. So this is from the book last night. And so I'm quoting here, the yellow star, question mark, so what, question mark, it's not lethal. But new edicts were already being issued. We no longer had the right to frequent restaurants or cafes, to travel by rail, to attend synagogue, to be on the streets after 6 o'clock in the evening. Folks, this is exactly what happened during COVID. Think about the yellow star as the mask. Uh, We had restaurants and cafes shut down. We couldn't travel by plane. Uh, We couldn't attend church. Uh, many c- cities were had curfews. This is this already happened. History is repeating itself. What I see is the issue. So, Curtis, I watched your movie Agenda. I don't know how many years ago, probably six years ago, and thought, well, yeah, I I get this. It makes sense. I thought it was a fantastic movie. But 
it's not going to happen in America. And I want to read an excerpt next from an article a friend sent, the friend sent me over the weekend and then get your perspective. So in this article, it was talking about the Civil Defense Manual. He writes, the most critical issue is convincing Americans that there is a catastrophic event in the making right now. Most people either don't believe anything bad will happen to them, they just don't want to think about it, or they just don't care. Americans can't see this trouble in our future because Americans think that what happens in the rest of the world can't happen to America. It just doesn't. This is because the United States has been geographically isolated from invasion, war, starvation, and suffering for a couple hundred years. So most people think it can't happen here. So I, I think you don't believe that it can't happen here. Please connect the dots for the listeners. Yes. No, that, they've, they've really ridden on that heavily. They know that we kind of feel like, oh, that couldn't happen here. And the people that believe it couldn't happen here are so vulnerable to having it happen because you're not standing up against it. So, yes, no, it's exactly, it was a test run to see, okay, how much can we get away with? They knew they had no authority to tell us to put on a mask or stay at home or close our business or what all the, you know, uh, beyond house arrest and all these things. is zero authority. They, the Constitution is crystal clear of what authority they have, and it's very limited. And so, but they said, we're going to just do it anyway. We're just going to see if these idiots will listen. Have them stand six feet apart, and Fauci's even saying they've made that up. Six feet, like a like a virus has a leash that's six feet long or whatever. No, it was all nonsense, but it was a test run. And they saw, oh, my goodness, the majority of people just do what we say. So they, they've learned a lot through that. But, yeah, would there be another crisis coming? Yes, there's going to be, because they gained more ground with COVID than they have in 30 years previous by just slowly marching through and slowly incrementally, you know, expanding their power, expanding. So is another virus coming? I would guess if I was a gambling man, I'd say yes, I would bet on it. Um, if whatever, I mean, it is because they realize when you create enough fear, people simply submit. And that's why they love always. Why is the news always just all these just bad things? Just always because it keeps everyone tense, everyone on edge. And when, when people say, oh, you need to do this, they just do it. And that's it's classic manipulation and brainwashing. And they've done that and they continue to do that. Um, and so, yeah, so it's so uh, I had a podcast a few months ago talking about, will there be a black swan event coming? I said, probably. I don't know what it is. I don't have any inside track to anything except I know the enemy because I've studied them very carefully and I know they see us waking up and they don't like that and they see they're losing a grip a little bit on us because alternative media was more successful than they thought of reaching more people than they thought to say hey this is a lie what they're telling us and they hadn't quite closed the censorship gap yet and so they realized uh-oh we're in trouble. They're awakening as we're trying to finish cross the finish line here. What do we do? So I just feel like anything is possible, anything, and there's no limit. Um, that's what, again, Americans don't seem to get because we're so prone to think people are like us. If you're a Christian listening to this, unfortunately, most people do not think like you think anymore, especially those in power. And so would they do something that would hurt or kill people? Of course they would. And you study 
20th century in the world and you study world history, men in power have done horrible, wicked things to keep or gain power throughout time, and they still will today. And, and so, yeah, it's, it's a it's a sober time we live in, but our God is totally in control, and so we need to seek to be pleasing to him in what we're doing so he might have then show us mercy in exposing their plans or whatever they're planning to do. Well, well said, Curtis. Yeah, I see some things that are markers of America falling back asleep. Of course, on April 10th of 2023, Congress illegally ended COVID. I say illegally because they had already turned that authority over to the Health and Human Services Secretary. You know, we see, you know, gas prices have lowered, you know, everything's back to normal. I'm putting that in quotes, air quotes, because it's not back to normal because they're doing this on purpose to make us look like everything is okay, and yet we have the infiltration of our border, anywhere from 100,000 to 350,000 Chinese troops already stationed. You know, we are being set up for a big fall. We're going to be taking a break here in one minute. You're listening to Stand Up For The Truth. My name is Scott Shera, and my guest is Curtis Bowers. When we come back from the break, Curtis, we're going to talk about fifth-generation warfare. So... Hang on, everybody. We'll be back shortly. And remember that you can send us your feedback, your questions by email at comments at standupforthetruth.com. Comments at standupforthetruth.com, and we will respond to those in a timely manner. And the podcast will be posted at standupforthetruth.com and on your favorite podcast apps here within 30 minutes after the broadcast. And also a video version on our YouTube channel, Q90FM Radio on YouTube, Q90FM dot, uh, Q90FM Radio on YouTube. Back in two minutes. Feedback, questions, and topic suggestions are always appreciated. Email us at comments at standupforthetruth.com. All right, we're back, and we're going to be talking about fifth-generation warfare. I'm going to have Crash introduce this with a clip regarding Edward Bernays, the father of propaganda. Go ahead, Crash. A pioneer in the field of propaganda, he's also referred to as the father of public relations. Bernays believed that public relations is not a gimmick, but a necessity. He argued that public relations could be used to shape the response of a general or particular audience. He understood that perception often mattered more than reality. Bernays was born in Vienna, Austria in 1891, and later his family moved to New York City. He graduated from Cornell University with a degree in agriculture in 1912. One of Bernays' major contributions was his groundbreaking book titled Propaganda, published in 1928 which rebranded the term propaganda as a consistent, enduring effort to create or shape events to influence the relations of the public to an enterprise, idea, or group. In it, he expounded his belief that an invisible ruling elite could control the masses through psychological manipulation. All right, Curtis, uh, that introduction is custom fit for you to talk about fifth-generation warfare. It's all yours. Thank you, Scott. Fifth generation warfare. Well, warfare has gone through a lot of different generations and changes over time. A lot of us, if you look at fifth or first generation warfare, like during the Civil War, 
that was like the line and column ta- tactics. That's when you, you had a line of people line up over here and then on the other side. And then uh, when you blow the trumpet, you shoot each other. I've never understood that, that generation of warfare. It doesn't seem very strategic, but that's where it started. And so many different advancements have happened over time. But fifth generation warfare, it is a battle for your heart and your mind. They realize it's a lot easier to manipulate people to do what you want them to do instead of forcing them to do what you want them to do. So if we can convince people there's a crisis, like with the environment or whatever, where they believe it, and we say, hey, the solution to this problem is you getting rid of your cars, getting rid of your property, living in multifamily dwellings in the city, and on and on. If we can convince them the narrative is true, they'll probably voluntarily do that because they think they're going to die if they don't. So, so it was a it was a key step forward. The Soviet Union really perfected the propaganda. They realized if we withhold the truth, but then craft the message of everything. Uh, just the right way, people finally just think like we want them to think, and th- which means they will do what we want them to do. And yes, Edward Bernays, who she talked about there for a second, he is one of the key players in this. In that book, Propaganda, if you read it, it's so powerful because what he started to realize um, is you can get people to do whatever you want them to do with the right persuasion and the right brainwashing. And so a couple examples out of that book that are so powerful, the uh, pork industry came to him back then in the 20s or whatever, and they said, Mr. Bernays, we're having trouble selling bacon to people to eat for breakfast. They don't think it's good for you. And so what he did is, okay, let me think about that. He did a survey across America to find out who was the most respected person at that time in America. And he found out it was doctors. So he hired doctors to be on all the advertisements and commercials saying, we recommend you have uh, bacon four four out of five mornings a week for breakfast. It's really good for you. And all of a sudden, the pork industry took off. And they realized if you get people that, that they respect to say something to them, they'll do it. And he did this with so many different things. The cigarette companies came to him and said, we got a problem. We, there's half the population we can't get to smoke. The women, they think it's dirty and nasty. He said, okay, let me think about that. And what he did is he hired all the supermodels of the day to have a parade down Madison Avenue, and they were all smoking, but he gave the cigarette a name. He called them Torches of Liberty. And so it had a positive connotation with it. It's You're, you're going to liberate yourself from the from the patriarchy. And so it was part of a feminist movement, but it was also... And so women started smoking in America. But at all while this was going on, our government was watching, too. And they came to him and said, we need you to work for government. We, we need you to help us persuade the public to do what we want them to do so we don't have to use force and everything. And he, after studying Americans in America, especially back then, 100 years ago, he said, if you cloak whatever you want them to do, as it, it being patriotic, they will do it. He goes, our survey showed they love this country. And if they feel it is patriotic, they will do it, whatever it is. It doesn't matter what it is. And that is what has been used against us ever since, uh, because we do love this country. And so they knew if we're waving a flag, they'll accept it. And a good example of this, where we were totally manipulated 
and it's our fault. We should have seen through the lies. But the Patriot Act right. that was passed by George W. Bush, this act that said, oh, terrorists don't have constitutional rights. And we should all said right then, no, 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 all men have rights because they're from God. And so if they're guilty, have a trial and prove that they're guilty and then hang them. But you can't hang them first. You can't uh, eliminate the God-given rights from people. But we thought, oh, no, with terrorists, it's okay. And so that flag-waving persuaded us to think, oh, that's a good thing. If this one exception, just terrorists shouldn't have rights. But we didn't realize 20 years later they're going to redefine what a terrorist is to mean it's a woman that stands up at a PTA meeting and says, I don't like what you're teaching my child. And we didn't understand it's someone that's waving a flag or loves the Constitution or believes in the Second Amendment, where it would be defined by government as those people are domestic terrorists and they, they should have no more rights than the terrorist does. I mean, that, that's why there's people still being held from January 6th, three years later, not having even been charged of anything yet. Because with the Patriot Act, it said, no, if it's a terrorist, you can hold them indefinitely. I mean, that means until they die and they never had a trial, they never were even charged with anything. And we should have known back then, no, that's not good. But that's that fifth-generation warfare that where you just, you persuade, you find out how they tick. Oh, this is what makes them tick. Okay, I'm going to use that. That's why the environmental movement is so powerful, because we all care about the environment, every human on the planet. And they know that. So they realize if we create a crisis that involves the environment, we say, and this climate crisis, it's going to be so powerful because everyone, you know, believes in that. So we're, all we have to do is orchestrate the solution to this fabricated problem to be where we're getting more and more control over them. And then what eventually we'll be able to close the net and we are in total control. And that's all the environmental movement is. And we could talk more about that if you want to, but it's every foundation stone of it is a lie. And the very things they're doing to save the planet are detrimental to the environment. So you see the lies of it always once you dig in. But the fifth generation warfare usually brainwashes people to the point they just can't see the alternative view. And that's how you know it's brainwashing, too. When what you believe is the opposite of the truth, you know you've been brainwashed. And it's really hard to ever pull out of that because it's just your mind is like, oh, I can't believe, you know, uh, this is the opposite of what I thought it was or whatever. But that that's a little uh, explanation of what that is. Wow, that was very well done. Uh, that, you know, Curtis, you get my mind going. I have a few more comments now. Uh, but you're listening to Stand Up For The Truth. My name is Scott Shera, and our guest today is Curtis Bowers. I want to just drill down a couple of these uh, dialectics that they use against us. So you mentioned about patriotism. Uh, interestingly, when you look at Scripture, Peace and safety is another one they use. So 9-11, of course, we had the fear. The fear created the Patriot Act. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 3 says, While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. So they use peace and safety as another tool of propaganda against us. You mentioned the environment. I want to just get a clip quickly on my laptop. Uh, this is from one of the Club of Rome. And he said in 1991, in searching for a new enemy to unite us, 
we came up with the idea that population, the threat of global warming, water shortages, famine, and the like would fit the bill. The enemy then is humanity itself, which that emphasizes what you just said. And and last, of course, we just got through safe and effective. 71% of the entire world took the bioweapon because of Edward Bernays' propaganda play, safe yep. and effective. Any other right. comments on, on those situations, Curtis? Yes. Well, I mean, the, the climate one, as I've studied this, that is the vehicle for world government. That will never go away because you can't step down from a cause that is so grand. You know, we're, we're saving the planet. I mean, you can't step down from that to something else or you'll lose the troops. So no matter how many facts we have, no matter how much we prove this is nonsense, there's not issues, our, our environment's doing just fine, it fluctuates over time, that's normal, and, and, and on and on, um, it, it will not go away because it's so grand, it's without borders, it, it allows them to control every country in the world because if what they were saying was true and it's not, then you're like, no, you can't do whatever you want as even a country because it affects all of us and you can't kill all of us by doing this. So, so it's, it's the ultimate vehicle. But three quick things to explain to people because you need to be knowledgeable on the, the, the lie of this climate crisis because again, it's not going away. And, but when you have facts, it helps dispel the lies that they're pushing. Number one, they say the foundation of the entire movement is carbon dioxide is a pollutant. Now, if you didn't go to government schools, that is laughable. <laughs> uh, CO2 is plant food, and we don't have near enough of it is reality. Right now, the level of CO2 in the world is 400 parts per million. That doesn't mean anything to me or anybody else if you don't know, well, what's the optimum level for everything that is green? And we find out from greenhouse growers or their business is just growing and doing what is best for plants, because that's where they make their livelihood, they let us know 1,600 parts per million is the ideal CO2 levels for everything that is green. And that's why they pump CO2 into their greenhouses. And when you do that, it's amazing to me how God designed things. When you can double, triple, and quadruple it, plant growth efficiency increases 100%. What does that mean? It means if you have a tomato plant inside a greenhouse and it's 1,600 parts per million of CO2 in there, and you have one right outside the, the greenhouse, the exact same plant, the one inside the greenhouse will produce 100% more tomatoes on the same plant. That's how much it loves CO2. Outstanding. And yet they call their movement... They call their movement the green movement, which is what Marxists always do. It's the opposite. And they're trying to cut the levels of CO2 in the world, which is deadly. We're close to the bottom of the scale at 400 parts per million. If it gets down below 150 parts per million, everything green dies. Okay, that, that's the lie of this thing. And so you go, oh, my goodness. And people go, well, why are they attacking CO2 then? They're attacking CO2 because humans produce CO2 whenever they're doing something productive. If you're driving to work, if you have your lights on in your home or you're working on your computer, it's all producing CO2. When you breathe, you're producing CO2. And they've made that the enemy of life when it's the single most value, valuable element in the atmosphere for everything that is green. It's a total lie. And unfortunately, 
we don't have much influence on it anyway. It's from the oceans. So if we could increase CO2, though, we should. It would be a great blessing. If we could even get it up to 800 parts per million, it'd be a tremendous blessing. The second foundational lie is warming is deadly. Well, that sounds good on a hot day in the middle of the summer. Like, ooh, it's really hot. I, I wouldn't want it to get a degree hotter, whatever. But, but the reality doesn't hold up. If you go down to the equator, and I've been down to Ecuador and stood on the equator there, you see something real quick. I mean, real quick, where it's so hot all the time, whatever. Life loves warmth. <laughs> the biodiversity of plants and animals at the equator is unbelievable. Almost everything thrives there. It's, it's really hard to believe the insects, the bugs, the birds, the, the animals, the plants, everything. And then if you ever go up to northern Alaska, and I've been up there too, you realize something real quick. Life does not like the cold. Hardly anything can survive. Only a few varieties of trees, hardly any plants, and just a few animals can even survive in the cold. Here's the truth. If we could raise global temperatures a degree or two, which we cannot, it would be the most incredible thing for the planet. There would be hundreds of millions of more acres in Canada and Russia that could be farmed because right now the growing seasons aren't quite long enough where they can't use all this incredible land to farm. But they could if we if we could raise the temperature a degree or two. And on and on it goes. So it's, it's just lie after lie. And the third one that's key to know, because humans are the enemy, because Satan is their commander-in-chief. He hates us because we're made in the image of God. So that's why there's such an agenda to cut world population. But if you study, if you read demographers and they study the science of populations, and it is a science, you cannot have more adults in the future than you have children today. So it's an exact science. They will tell you the opposite. We're getting ready to enter a period that's unprecedented in the history of the world where global populations are going to be declining dramatically for a 100 years or more, and that is going to cause economic collapse in every country of the world because you have to have increasing populations to have a growing, strong economy. And so that's the reality. So humans are the enemy, which they're not. Uh, warming is bad, which and it's wonderful. And CO2 is a pollutant when it's plant food. And that's that's what they do on every issue, every time. It is complete and total lies and propaganda, and it's always the opposite of the truth. That's right on. Excellent examples of fifth-generation warfare. I want to just hit one more thing on fifth-generation warfare and have you comment on it very quickly because we have one more topic to talk about before we're done today, which is why has God allowed this? And that's from a clip that you gave me, Curtis. But I want to have you hit quickly on the Smith-Munt Act of 1948. And the reason is is because they were telling us they had the technology to weaponize fifth-generation warfare on us in 1948. But at that point, they told us, we only can use that against the world. We can't use it against the citizens of the United States. People will be shocked when they hear that it is legal to use propaganda against our own citizens. Go ahead, Curtis. Yes, it used not to be because we realized, no, you can't try to manipulate your own people, but the elites would have none of that. Are you kidding? (laughs) We have to manipulate them, especially in a country like America where we're so free and we're armed. And so they realized, okay, we're going to have to go manipulation. Yeah, so they said, no, no, we're changing that. 
and we're going to make it legal to propagandize our own people. And legal, and that's why if you dig in, and we don't have time to go into all these things, but you dig in and look at the CIA from its founding and some of these different groups where you realize their main purpose was to do that. that that's what they were all about. Right. As I've dug in and studied more and more, it's really incredible. ABC, NBC, CBS were all started in part by the CIA. All of our major media, because they wanted to be able to tell them, here's what you need to do. Facebook and Google, we know were funded by the CIA when they started, because they realized, no, this is going to be a vehicle. Facebook is going to allow us to get to know every person on the planet, who they like and who they don't like, and their pictures and what their habits are, what they do. And so, you know, I don't know if Mark Zuckerberg even had anything to do with it or not. That whole thing could be a lie. It wouldn't surprise me if it was. But we know they were involved at the beginning. And Google, they put up the money to to start Google because they realized, okay, this is we're going to be able to dictate what they can see and what they cannot see. We're going to push to the the hundredth page anything that is not what we want them to see, and we're going to put up the, the first search result is going to be what we want them to believe. And so, but that's it's gone on and on. So now it's we're so in the middle of it, they're making it almost impossible to find the truth. It's gone that far where it's not just like there's a lot of different things out there. It's like. You speak the truth. I, my YouTube channel, I'm just a normal guy, whatever, loves this country, loves my family, loves God. They yanked my channel down a year or so ago. No, because yeah. they realized, no, this guy's speaking too much truth. He will not, you know, submit to our rules. And, and I'm just a little nothing compared to, but that's what they're doing to everyone. They're letting you realize you speak anything that's not the narrative. We will destroy your life on whatever issue it may be. And that's been, again, it's been going on for 70, 80 years, but they've really ramped it up recently um, because they realized they needed to. You know, every story sounds true till you hear the other side. And they realize, uh-oh, more people are telling the other side than we thought. They really, it's it kind of, COVID was a blessing in that. It wasn't a blessing, but some good things got allowed to come about from it are it allowed people to start looking for alternative voices. So all of a sudden, a lot of voices like mine and other people kind of talking behind the scenes, people started to search that out because they were like, I don't think what they're telling us is true. And so all those things grew tremendously, and which made them lose their grip. A lot of the main networks now, like CNN, they don't have as many viewers on that entire network as many just individual podcasters have, That's, which is incredible. Yeah, that's I mean, really amazing. There's podcasters that have a million followers, right? I know. I know. It's amazing. We're going to close. Curtis, I want to close out the show with maybe the most important thing and have you comment on it. I think COVID was a call to repentance. And I'm going to have Crash play clip three and have you talk about why has God allowed this. Go ahead, Crash. The reality is these evil people and groups that have just dismantled this country over the last hundred years They have done that while an all-powerful, holy God has been sitting on His throne. What does that mean? It means He has allowed that to happen. That's what should drop us to our knees in fear. Why would a holy God that hates what these people are doing far worse than we do, why would He allow them to flourish and succeed in their plans? Well, I think if each one of us looks inside of our own heart on our knees before God and says, God... What have I done that has caused you to remove your hand of blessing from our country? 
I know we've all done things that have contributed to the problems that we face. If we repent, if each of us individually comes before God and makes things right, and then makes a firm decision to go in the opposite direction and change things, I know He will bless our efforts. I know He will give us back our country because that's who He is. He is long-suffering. He loves His people. He loves truth and righteousness. And He hates what is evil. Curtis, please expand on that clip that you gave me. Uh, We have about two minutes left. Okay. God has allowed all these things because He loves us. And just like a father chastens his child because he doesn't want him to turn away and do the things he shouldn't do because he knows you reap what you sow. There's consequences. That's why God has had mercy to give us Obamas, to give us uh, COVID, to wake us up and realize, wait a minute, what is going on in our country? To give us Biden. And so um, just like that little clip says in, in the movie there, it's so vital that we as individuals, analyze ourselves based on God's holiness. Yes, He is loving, but He, more than loving, is holy. And I just encourage each one of you listening to this, if you consider yourself to be a Christian, what are you doing that is inconsistent with with what God has told us to do and how we're to live our life and how we're to be pure and clean and innocent and to love our neighbor and to think more of others than ourselves and to train up our children in the way they should go and all these things. He meant those things when he told us to do those, and he knew if we obeyed, we would have a blessed, prosperous, wonderful life. And if we disobeyed, we would grow old and suffering and misery because we'd lost our children. We hadn't done the things he'd ask us to do. So I just... I want to encourage you. That's the hope for America. That's the hope individually. He is so long-suffering. I know that if enough Christians in this country got on their knees and said, God, I am so sorry, and really repented of all the things in their life that is not consistent with what a Christian should be like, the movies, the music, the books, whatever. But he sees it all. There's no hiding anything from him ever. And you have to know that, or otherwise you're living like an atheist. But he is a loving father that is quick to forgive and quick to restore. And I just encourage you in that. And each of us doing that, I just know whatever the future holds, he'll be right there with us. Wow. Very well said, Curtis. You've been a fantastic guest. Thanks for being on. We've only scratched the surface today. Where can people go to follow your work? If you go to agendaweekly.com, you can get the movies and things if you'd like. If you haven't seen them, they're really powerful tools to wake people up. And I also have a subscription-based weekly podcast newsletter with prayer and action items that comes out once a week that you can sign up there for on agendaweekly.com. We'll put the agendaweekly.com in the show notes uh, so that everybody has it. Curtis, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you, Scott. I appreciate you very much. God bless you. What's, uh, what other guests you got coming up on uh, Stand Up For The Truth? We have Coach Dave coming up on Thursday and Megan Smith coming up on Friday to talk about cancer. Megan Smith? Yes. Um, people uh, getting, uh, are they following you on your podcast with Megan? Has she been on your podcast? She was on with, with my wife and Rebecca Charles. I remember that. Yes. All right. Uh, and that, uh, we'll... Uh, 
have more about that on our podcast page at StandUpForTheTruth.com. StandUpForTheTruth.com. It's a repeat tomorrow, 